when everyone talks about can't wait to get back to Melbourne's vibrant hospitality scene, I'm not sure if they understand what the reality that's going to be like because you can't just turn the switches on and get the actors back on stage and, and tell a band that hasn't played for six months that we're ready to hear you again. That's not how it works. On Dirty Linen, we have been catching up with a whole lot of people in the hospitality industry, definitely focusing on Melbourne because Victoria is locked down and the road ahead is long. Speaking of roads, we're talking to Andy Mullins from Sand Hill Road, a group which owns, I think it's nine, he can correct me, pubs in Melbourne, including such incredible venues as uh, Garden State and the Espy. Andy, how are you going? Oh, it's a big question, Danny. At the moment, it's. Uh, I had someone ask me um, ask me this morning if we were, if we were looking forward to the weekend, which was kind of surreal. Given it's uh, there is just there, it's it literally is Groundhog Day, and, and unfortunately, um, a bit like the movie, it's it feels like being trapped in something too surreal to even uh, to even comprehend. But um, on on the whole, um, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> Just the simple question of how are you is so loaded at the moment and I agree with you, you know, like what is what is Sunday? What is Mondays? I mean, I think I even had someone talk to me about hump day during the week and it's like, yeah, it's all pretty meaningless. Um, yeah, the, the days blur. The, yeah. Yeah, look, I think that's what, we've, what we're learning to, to, to some um, very large degree is um, just missing that rhythm of life, that the, the that a, a Tuesday's got a certain feel to it, and that's because so did Friday, and then Sunday's got that that sort of exhale as well before we gear up for for the week. And we've got so many um, sort of signposts along the way for the week for how we're supposed to be feeling, and um, and it's just it's just a little bit flat. And you use that word in the in the in the on the intro about you know lockdown. I don't think any of us would ever have um, contemplated the idea that. Um, you know, most businesses, um, certainly every single hospitality business, the, the, and I know it's a bit cliche to say, but the MCG is empty. Um, there will be no grand final. Um, you, you, you can't just duck down, um, in our case, to the SP for a Sunday uh, for a Sunday beer. It's now that's just a surreal thing. Kids not school, so I don't know. In the in the sort of broader sense of it, and with a bit of perspective, I think we've got to acknowledge we're doing a really good job, all of us, to be hanging in there because it's um it's it's pretty it's pretty dire. It's it's pretty difficult to to explain to a non-Victorian at the moment, isn't it? I think you're right. I think yeah, we we definitely need everybody around Australia to pat us on the back later when we're allowed to touch again. Uh, and not to mention travel, uh, whether it's, you know, to Victoria or from Victoria. Uh, it, it is it is pretty crazy. And I guess in a way we've had a long time to get used to things not being normal. But on the other hand, I reckon every few days I still have a, a real like you know, head check, like, are you serious? We're in a pandemic and my life is completely upside down. Because I think the thing that the strangest things almost are the normal things, you know, uh, whatever it is, you know, like whether it's changing the sheets on the bed or making a cup of coffee or walking the dog, like the things that are normal almost feel the weirdest. Uh, yeah, it's it's surreal. I think, I think that's... I think that's the real um, the the challenge too is um, we 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 know who we are as Victorians we, we know our place within Victoria and living in Metro Melbourne and, and we know the regions um, you know, most Victorians have travelled to, to all the regions that are, are, are experiencing basically the same situation that we are here in the cities and it, it's that it's that reality that Victorians do it for a reason so we live through the weather and it's not it's it's when you are a Victorian you, you come to love the weather because it means a change in food. 
and wine and fashion. Um, and it's a, it's boots in winter and the MCG with a pie and, and a, you know, a, it's like you duck into any one of the many restaurants in and around the CBD that are all world class. And that that's what winter is. And then then through spring it starts to open up and and then we start to move outside. There's there's no one that loves beer gardens more than Melbournians. We've had pub, a pub in Queensland, and and you know it's crazy. As long as we're warm and dry, we'll be outside at six degrees. But we do all that because we understand that people don't fly here, whether interstate or international. They're not coming for our beaches. Though we've got a couple of beaches, that's not what they come here for. They're coming for all the things that we currently can't touch. And it's a, it is um, the shopping and the fashion and particularly the, the food and wine, the pubs, the sport, the arts and entertainment. Um, you know, just to see, I, I don't know if you watched it, but but in lockdown one, Powderfinger did a, um, did a, a beautiful concert from, from five different parts of the country. And I got really emotional about it because I didn't realise until I saw that again how much I missed live music. Even though it wasn't live, it was, it was, it was beamed across you know, five different locations, but somehow they brought it together. And I think that feeling is, the sadness that, that so many of us are feeling is because we take comfort and refuge in the things we can't touch at the moment. You, know, it, you can have a bad week. We all have bad weeks. But you know, it's, in my case, my wife and I would, would, would call up another couple and say, hey, do you want to go see a show and have a, have a quick bite before and a couple of wines afterwards? Um, and... You can't do that. And I think that that's the real you – know, you can see with a city that that needs to yell, whether you love footy or not, you need sometimes to go and scream and shout. And we get to do that once a week. And and in this case, we don't. So we just don't have access to those touch points of our culture. And in that sense, what you come down to is living in a city that can be four seasons in one day. And it doesn't feel as good. And there's, <laughs> there's this collective sort of um, – oh, I'd hesitate to use the word – depression un- unqualified but there there is an there's an anxiety that's attached to Victoria at the moment and and we just you know, we are no different to the Queenslanders Western Australians Tasmanians South Australians the Territorians um, we're all we all live to the same themes just that we can't access ours right now and um, you know that day when it comes uh, Daniel I, I just cannot wait to get in and support um, all the all the little venues that we've missed so much and um, and the sporting teams and the arts like you know you so I'm going on but what kills me at the moment is for the artists, whether they're actors or musicians, their second job is hospitality, almost almost across the board. That's their second job. That, that's their stability. That's the core. And, you know, could we imagine a city without music and without live performance um, on the stages of Melbourne? That, that's that's too much to bear. So, you know, let's, let, let's hope that the people making the decisions understand that we, we've got to get this city back going at some point. It's, uh, it, it's, it's so needed in our life. Oh, Andy, you, you've touched on, on so many things. Um, and, yeah, I couldn't agree more with you about, you know, the, the, the spirit that runs through Melbourne along all these different channels and that's sport, that's arts, it's, uh, it's certainly hospitality, it's music, it's, um, yeah, it's all part of the art of being a Melbourneian or a Victorian. Um, and I think definitely, as you point to, there is this feeling, it's a, it is a grind. Like we're, we're in the thick of it and, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's heavy, but I also do feel, and maybe this is my 
dumb optimism and, you know, hope as well that I feel like we are going to come back and there is that spirit. And, and because we all love the things that we're missing so much, we're going um, to bring them back through sheer force of will and effort and just a commitment because we want, we want Melbourne to be the city that we love and we want Victoria to be the state that we love. Um, so there's, we're, gonna, we're treasuring it. Yeah. Yeah. There's. I think the, the there's the hard the harsh reality that, that that we're starting to see amongst our peers is that um, and we're saying to I would have uh, twenty to twenty five conversations literally every single day with with friends in across the arts entertainment hospitality space and my message to all of them is just hang on to the other side whatever it takes get there but so many aren't going to. And, and some, some of it's just, you know, it really makes my blood boil. I, I read another um, article, I won't, won't refer specifically because I don't have the permission to, but it was, it was an article the other day about, um, about handing back the keys to a, a really important local pub. And it's important because it is in that community. And everyone's local pub is important. But what really made my blood boil is they, these people have had a business there for, for 18 years and the landlords couldn't help them through six months like you, you couldn't, you couldn't let them go for six months. And the government, as as much as there's a lot of talk about support, JobKeeper isn't. I mean, in our case, thirty percent of our staff are on JobKeeper, and and it's not actually helping the business. It's helping the staff, which is critical. But seventy percent of our staff don't get the help, and that's because they didn't. They weren't with the, the company for twelve months or longer. Well, this is hospitality. That's not how it works. Like you drift in and out. That's the the transient nature of it. Is what gives it its flavour. So you know, we've had chefs, Danny, that are, have have come from overseas who who will do the work that others won't. Whether that's um, dish work or or junior chef work, they give everything of themselves and pay their taxes here, and they've been left. And and meanwhile. Sort of, it's a bit disheartening. As I don't want to come across as whinging um, to, to anyone listening, but but I think we need to hear the reality. It, when we read on the front page of the paper um, a certain billionaire that's gloating about the profits they made from shopping centres, and we're scratching our heads saying, "Hang on, my friend just lost her pub for eighteen years, and that's because it was closed in lockdown one, and yet shopping centres were open. So you could you could drive from anywhere you liked to any shopping centre you wanted to." And spend the day there, mixing with how many people we don't know, elevators that aren't, aren't regulated, and yet we're not allowed to open their businesses. And what what I think is frustrating a lot of owner operators and managers is we live in a highly regulated environment every day. So we've got um, liquor licensing, um, we've got incredibly um, stringent um, uh, ways of uh, paying staff and all the different staff codes. So if you're if you own a hospitality business. You're no dummy. Like you are, you are for, you are set every single day. The challenges of all these different regulatory pressures. There's so many that 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 it's almost hard to believe. So in this one moment, when we are so used to operating in a highly regulated environment, and we tell our customers that you're safe with us, that's what we mean. There's there was we were doing it so well in lockdown. At the end of lockdown one. We came out of it, and it, and it cost it cost most businesses almost everything they had, especially against landlords that haven't given them a cent. And when everyone talks about, you know, can't wait to get back to Melbourne's vibrant hospitality scene, I'm not sure if they understand what the reality that's going to be like because you can't just turn the switches on and get the actors back on stage and, and tell a band that hasn't played for 
six months that we're ready to hear you again. That's not how it works. So I think, I think Melbourne will come back if there's a really strong push um, from all Victorians to say, hang on, this is wrong. It, it's, it's not right to pay billionaires um, you know, staff wages while they gloat about their ASX success. That's not right because my friend just lost their pub and I spoke to another couple um, that I didn't even know on Facebook the other day. So saw them, they had 20 months in a pub. They just started their dream and it's gone. Again, no landlord support, um, no government support. I think that's the industry. That's the city. Mm. I mean, you touch on so many different things there and I think, you know, so one thing is the way that the support is arranged. I suppose, you know, I'm, I've, I've fought long and and spoken as loudly as I could about the visa worker situation, and I think that that's been um, an on an ongoing disappointment that that hasn't been rectified and those people looked after. When we talk about the support for businesses, um, as I, I hear you, like JobKeeper helps the employees when it does, um, but then the, the 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 government support, whether it's in the form of tax relief and concessions, whatever it is, of course that doesn't um, that doesn't really that doesn't really put money through the business to keep things running where you've got those ongoing costs. I guess some people have had landlords that have assisted them, but many people haven't. And sometimes that's because, you know, landlords have their own issues as well. So it's not, it's not like they're always the bad guys, but of course, you know, you would, as I mean, I, I hear you sure if someone's been there for 18 years, couldn't they be carried for six months? You know, it sounds like perhaps they could. We don't, we, we don't know all, all the, all the backstory. Of course, of course they could. And look, we, 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 we know they can because we've got landlords who the very first day this happened, the very first day, called up and said, whatever it takes to get you through, um, we are here for you. And that's what you need to hear right now. And I think, but, 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 but others, others, others that are, are putting um, us and other, um, you know, lots of other people through courts, because they all know that, that, that you, know, you, can't, you can't fight a big, a big corporation um, with, with lawyers, you're going to go down. And, but that, that, that's, that's how... Disparate. So it's all. It was fine for Scott Morrison to stand there and say landlords must play by the, the code. Well, that's just so naive, <laughs> as if it's going. But but it's the it's the essence of Melbourne that will get us through, and we know that there are so many people out there who understand that hospitality is the reason they live in the city. That's it is literally all the things we spoke about. They will come back. They are dying to come back. There's so much support every day from them. But I think we've just got to now, I mean, every day case numbers coming down and down and down. We have to get back to work. That's, that's the reality. And, and we're doing it in a really you know, regulated way. But we've got 70% of our staff haven't seen an income for over six months. I'm not, I'm not sure who could survive that. No, it's, t- it's super tough. It really is, yeah. I mean, Andy, you're saying, you know, you want to get everyone back to work and there is a big push in the Melbourne and Victorian hospitality scene at the moment. There are you know, quite a lot of high-profile restaurateurs asking to, and I'm quoting, unlock hospitality. Um, I know that some pub owners such as yourself have got together, I think, to, to speak, not not perhaps, you can you can correct me, but I don't think directly as part of that same campaign, but certainly with, with a similar message that you want to open and you want to open safely. What do you what do you think? Like, what do you expect? Because, of course, there are many industries that are unable to open. You can talk. To, I mean, you, you can talk to you know all the performers. Like, we're not. We can talk to people who own gyms. We can talk to beauticians. There are a lot of industries that are like in desperate, desperate 
need to get the money flowing back through their business. I hear what you're saying about hospitality being regulated and I definitely respect all the hoops that hospitality owners have to jump through every day simply to to open and to stay open and to and to work within the many different codes and rules and regulations. But I also wonder, I mean, we've still got a pandemic and cases yep. are coming down. What, yep. what, what is the balance between that, that you know, where you're saying to people, let's just hang on, just hang in there. Yep. What is the balance between hanging in there? And, of course, the line is drawn in different places for different businesses, of isn't course. it? It's like yep. you can't yep. – of, of course everybody wants to open. Oh, my God, like I'm so desperate for restaurants to be open. For the to for the beers to be the beers to be pouring and for um you know those beautiful internationals that are so struggling to be dancing around between the tables and the sinks and doing <laughs> yeah. all the things that we need them to mm, do you know exactly I, but I mean it doesn't seem yeah I mean like I would let okay let unlock but how and when and you know are we sh- are we sure it's okay. It's a really good question and I think um, – and no one I've spoken to aside from – you've always got sort of um, extremists with extremist views. I'm not talking politically. I'm talking um, just, just hardline, you know, just open at any cost. That, that's, that's no one sensible saying that. Um, no, one, no one I've spoken to anyway with, with any sense is saying that. Um, but it's a little bit like when we talk about um, the, the, the media might post an unemployment jump and it might have gone from – 6.1 to 6.6 percent, right? Which is not good because uh, half a percent of people in the state or country have lost their jobs or can't find it. But 93 and a half percent of people are employed, so so surely, surely we can find a solution that that doesn't just shriek about the bad. And in this case, there's almost no conversation. We we know exactly whether the report comes out or not. Um, and I'm, I'm, my hands near, I, I voted um, Labor and have for, for most of my adult life. Um, so, so this isn't political for me in that sense. This is simply about saying we now know that 100% of the illness firstly came in through um, travel and, that, and we didn't get that right. And we always knew, because international um, experience showed us, that the vulnerable elderly, particularly in homes and anyone with an underlying condition, was going to be hit the hardest because we knew at the time that it was about 98 98.3% of people that recovered Recovered with with uh, so far, it's, it's very early in this 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 novel corona's life, but so far with no side effects. So, what what we've said and what we say every day is, let's focus on that for a moment because there are other numbers too. We've got it's, it's a I don't know why it's a taboo topic, but there are suicides, there are broken families, broken marriages, and broken businesses. Absolutely, things that people work their life you know 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years for. So that's got a cost as well, and we have to talk about that. So all I want to see in the conversation is a balance that says, right, um, everybody, you must understand if you are elderly, vulnerable, have an underlying condition, if you are regularly seeing your parents, uncles, aunties, and they're in that, that position, be very, very careful about how you interact in the community until there's a vaccine. That's treating us like adults, and that's allowing life to go back to the new version of what's normal until there is a vaccine. No one's, no one's denying that... Um, that, that life's going to be 100% normal till then. But that, that says, okay, well, say, for example, in our demographic, which would be the core demographic would be 20 to 34-year-olds, um, relatively you know, fit, healthy and, and well-capable if they did contract the virus 
of managing that in their life as so many have. There's a, I, I haven't got these exact stats, but of course, the mortality rate is, isn't, isn't 20, 30, 40, 50%. So all we're talking about is a balance that says, let's ease the industry back open. I'm not shrieking from the hilltop saying, we deserve special attention or we must be 100% open. That's, that's just impractical and, and, and unsafe, which is not what we're talking about. We're simply saying where we were headed to pre-stage two, which again was a preventable, we, we didn't realise, Danny, but that was an, another preventable situation that could have been controlled, but it wasn't. So hopefully now we've learnt those lessons. We get the cases down to where they're headed at the moment, we get them down to something manageable, but it, it can't be zero. I mean, New Zealand and Queensland and, and no, no country's got zero and stayed there. But um, there has to be a new version of normal. What's the, what's the alternative? Locking Melbourne up for, for foreseeable ever? It's not going to work. And the cost on the other side will be too high. So I'm certainly not shrieking. Um, I, I, I feel very strongly and work with a lot of different people who own, uh, two of my wife's um, best mates own, uh, just opened their second gym and it's gone. Um, you know, will it reopen? Let's hope so. So it's not just hospitality, but we have to have a balance in the conversation. It can't just be unilaterally. Everything's finished. Everything's closed. And we can't tell you when it's, we need a pathway out of this. You know, and we haven't got one. And to me, that's, that's really unexcusable. Uh, again, you've got, you've said a lot and there's a few things that I want to unpick. I, I, um, one thing I just want to put on the record is that there hasn't been an increase in the number of suicides year on year in Victoria. So the coroner came out with those stats last week and that is in no way to diminish the sig significant mental health impacts of what's going on because they are, they are vast and they will be with us for a long time. So, of course, there are many ways of, of talking about mental health impacts and, and suicide is you know, is is obviously one and it's incredibly tragic and any suicide is a tragedy. Um, and I don't really, I don't feel qualified to get into an argument about, you know, health and the spread of the virus and, 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 and all that. I suppose my inclination is to trust the health advice that we're given and, yeah, to, and I guess to follow the rules and as I know you do as well um, and to really hope that we're able to open open safely as soon as possible. So I guess there's another side to opening and I feel like if we opened now that the other the flip side is okay open the doors well it's not the flip side but it's a thing that needs to follow. We open the doors we need customers to get those businesses thriving again to employ those people. So consumer confidence is of course a massive part of this question about how Victoria is able to progress. What do you think you know where do you think that sentiment is at and what do you plan to do as the owner of many prominent venues and they're not just venues they are those community hubs that you spoke so fondly about in the beginning you're not just you're not just a lover of hospitality you are a creator of those places where people go to feel part of the city to have those you know key connections with their friends with their family you know to create those memories what will you be doing to uh, inspire the confidence in those hospitality experiences that Melbourne and Victoria is so good at creating? Oh, look, from from day one of this um, situation being being presented to us, we, we and, and realising that so many of our staff were, were, were going to fall through the cracks, like 70% of them. It's, it's it, that, that, you asked me, in, in terms of stage priorities, they are still 
um, my number one, two and three priority. So um, seeing that we were hoping everyone was going to get through on the JobKeeper because, of course, that just made sense. That didn't happen. Um, I, we still can't work out why. But the, the first thing was to, to feed them. So the SP Kitchen pumps out um, four meals a week to every single staff member that, that through an email system says, yep, I'm, I'm, and then we um, box it up and deliver it to them so they don't have to, they're not at risk to, to come out and, and get the food. Keeping them going is the single biggest, because it's always been the, the biggest thing. It, it's always been, um, we don't expect, we don't want to open the doors and people to flood back in. And that didn't happen in, in the first time. People were really um, excited, but they were, they were cautious and careful. And then when we get a chance, all we want is the chance to serve them again. Because I back our staff, and it's not just my staff, but I can only talk on behalf of my staff or about my staff. I back them to turn one customer into two and two into four and four into eight. I, I back them to do it because they, they genuinely love what they're doing. They know that they've got the support of us as they do it. Um, they're in great spaces and, and they're good. They're just, they're just great. I just love um, this, this millennial cohort that gets so much crap um, for so many unwarranted reasons. Um, I love their passion, their, 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 their vision for how they're going to live their lives. And every time they're on our floors, they give that to our customers. So I'm not worried about um, building the confidence back. But if you, if you step off, that's my myopic view of my very small world. If you step back into it, I think you're right. We've got to separate frustration and anger from positive consumer sentiment. I think where, where you can't, where it's inextricably linked, we can't deny. Now, we can, for political purposes, not talk about some certain things, but we can't deny that the single greatest um, ingredient right now in Victoria that I think is lacking, and it's not lacking for any one or two people, it's just trust. And now trust is built in the case of... Um, I'm, I'm 45, so hey, I'm not even my own target market. But in the case of my group of friends and my community, there's the kids, school friends and, and parents, um, the frustration is only fed by not having the path. I know it's hard to give us a path, but when you're sitting at home going into your seventh month of no work, you need to have a path. And people, um, this, this might sound flippant to you, but I, I, I think a lot about these, I think a lot about... Um, young people who've left school or are about to leave school, and that was the greatest year of so many people's lives. They're, they're heading off to work or university or travel. That's all gone. There's none of that this year. So I know from first-hand experience of talking to these young people by any means I can, whether it's social medias or friends of friends' kids and, and, um, and, and speaking to them, their demand is so pent up because they're pissed off. <laughs> they're, they're really jacked about saying, how much longer can we can we not go to school? How much longer? How many more dances do I have to miss? And and you forget that. So I, I'm I'm not. I would never be so arrogant as to say this is about me and my group of friends. This is about the elderly, and we didn't protect them, and we must. That's priority, absolute priority one. And sorry, our, our staff, are, you know, as I said in that hierarchy. But but then there's then there's my group, my my tribe of parents. Parents have been locked up. Six or seven months, and I know that premier premiers are really good bloke. I don't know, but people people can abuse him as much as they like. He's a good bloke and he cares. Have they made mistakes? Yes, some of them massive, but he's a good bloke and he cares. Um, we need to think about those different tribes, including the young people who are just jacked and pissed off. And we've got to make sure that the three sections of those markets are working together cohesively. All they need is a plan. All all. 
all my industry, the gym owners, the hair salons. I mean, how funny is everyone's hair at the moment? It's you're either cutting it yourself and it's all yeah. jagged, or or everyone's got this really long hair. It's kind of weird, but everyone needs a roadmap out. I know they're trying to get that for us, but the moment that happens and we believe it, consumers consumer um, sentiment will will increase accordingly. So I, I don't you know we just we looked the other day. People aren't st- think of the money we're not um, making from income, say, because the whole industry is is out of work. But then, in balance, look at what we're not spending. So, you know, no one's buying clothes, no one's going out, um, no one's travelling, which is a huge. I think we spend forty six billion dollars a year travelling um, overseas as Australians. That's that's a lot of money to be sitting in our economy. So, I, I have faith that that things will return, but I'm devastated for those who won't be there to see it. And whether they, they, you know, literally mortally not there or they just lost their businesses um, but by perhaps us not acting slightly quick enough. I'm rambling on a bit, aren't I? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, there's a lot to say. There is a lot, there to, is say. A lot to say. There's there are so many say. layers to it. Yep. I mean, one thing I would say, Andy, is that there is a roadmap. It's just slower than a lot of people want and it's contingent on case numbers, not on dates. Yep. To me having it contingent on case numbers actually seems sensible yep, to yep. say that things will be a certain way on a certain date. It's like why, you know, but, but I, I think that the frustration that people are feeling is around is around the numbers. And and as I said, I, I don't, I don't feel qualified to weigh in on that. I feel inclined to um, to follow follow the health advice, but I can. I, 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 there is so much collateral damage, and that is just gutting. Like it is just gutting. And when I when when we heard when we heard the dates, you know, and the lockdown extended and all that, I just I was just yeah closed in on myself with an absolute in absolute anguish. Like it's just so 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 gutting. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it is. And look, it's going to be, but again, I don't think, I, I agree, with, I don't think um, unrealistic, if you give unrealistic uh, roadmaps, pathways out of this, it erodes trust even further. But but we have to have faith that that we can tell um, people the truth and let, let us let us manage that, that, that truth. Let's manage it at home with, with kids if you've got them, um, if you're isolated. I mean, I won't go on too much, but how you can travel to have to have sex with someone, but you can't travel to see a your, your, your widowed mother um, who doesn't need care, but she does need you know love, of which that's not my mother, fortunately. But there's many, many out there. These little nuances. We just all we all we need to do is say, look here. Here we've we've. By the way, I'm not just talking about politics. We're demanding of the AHA, and they're then they're delivering to us a roadmap out as well. We're demanding of each other. We're demanding of our neighbours. And we've got to trust that when we do get the chance to go again, we're not going to be flouting the rules that the way that we did in lockdown one. Um, so we need a massive sense here of community trust in each other to do the right thing. It's going to hurt like grand final day this year. It's going to hurt like hell. Um, oh, it's going to really hurt. But, so but, bad. But because um, even those who hate it's their... coming back though. <laughs> of course it is. But even those who hate their health <laughs> is going to hurt. So, you know, they, these are the things. I just sort of go back to that point, Danny, that, that we, I don't think we realised how much we relied on um, friendships outside of the home, um, the pattern of life, the rhythm of life, which we don't have at the moment because Sunday's Thursday and Thursday's Wednesday. I don't think we've – I think we'll never take for granted that again, that idea of, of – I just can't my, – my personally, I cannot wait to go and see a live show and that doesn't matter to me if it's a busker on the street or um, an MTC performance or the Gerson Room packed um, – and, and going off again. But, hey, I have to realise they're all post-vaccine. 
that's that's not we're not going to have that until we've got this. So we need a lot of trust, we need a lot of care for for one another. And look, yes, people are getting fined for doing the wrong thing, but geez, you've only got to look overseas, Danny, and say we're doing a pretty bloody good job. <laughs> I think it's amazing how well what um, we're doing in this environment. It's you know, and that's got to give us hope to say the pathway out once identified, we'll stick to it, we'll protect it, um, we'll call each other out. Um, on 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 when we're not doing it right, so you know I, I've got a lot more hope. I just I just feel sad for for, for those that, um, that 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 won't be here to see it. That's um that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, look, yeah. Look, I really agree with you, and I think we we are doing it so tough, and I think that we we're, we're going to be so grateful and glad and and really just bloody proud of ourselves when we come out the other side that I think we will protect the gains that we've made and the society that we're in and we'll yeah we'll protect the things we love about the place that we live how much do we love seeing the numbers come down like like genuinely people in my community are sort of saying hey this is working and that's all that's what that's all all you need to do to keep you know, when we've got mates in Western Australia, again, I'm a bit myopic, so sorry to listeners because I'm in hospitality. That's kind of what I do. But we've got mates with venues in, in Perth and Queensland um, and New South Wales um, and Tasmania too, actually. I'm sure we'd have South Australia, we thought about it. But we've got friends there that, that when you ask them uh, outside of the six o'clock news, you say, hey, mate, how's, how's the feeling over in Perth right now, tonight? They said, mate, it's like COVID never happened. It's, it is, now, we were there too. Our numbers were there as well and, and we lost control but we have to believe and then we have to support all the industries. So stop cutting your hair and go to your barbers and, 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 and put away your home, your home weights, those ab roll cages that you bought online, uh, put that away and, and, and we've got to get back to living that. We've, we've got to own that, I think. Otherwise, we're going to become really sooky for a really long time and that's not Victoria's way. You know, we, we've copped it. And, and we have to now get back involved and re-engage with, with, with society. We've got to get out and, and do all those things that make us you know, such incredibly happy and proud Australians. Well, I'm going to do a lot of those things at the SB, Andy. Um, I'm going to come back and drink beer. I'm going to eat food in every room. I'm going to drink up in the, <laughs> on the um, Alfred Felton bar up on the top floor. Uh, yeah. I'm going to do a dance class in the Gershwin room. Oh, it must be weird there. I, it's just one of one of like my peak life experiences is um, last summer doing a dance class in the Gershwin room. I think it was to an Ed Sheeran video clip. You had that awesome instructor, and I I realized about five minutes in that I'd never ever been to a dance class, and I was really. I mean, I'm I'm obviously like an awesome dancer, but I'm freeform, man. Yeah. Like I was so bad at that class, but I just loved how um, I didn't care. And, yeah, uh, Janine Willis just, did that. Yeah, She's just, amazing. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It's, she is so awesome. It, it's so much to smile about. Yeah, and you know that I just felt so lucky to be able to go on my bike down to the SB, do something really stupid and crazy like a a silly dance class, dr drink a beer. It, Eat some fried fish and then come home again. So I am looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. For um, sure. Andy, thank you, thank you so much for the pubs that you've created for Melbourne, and thank you for your energy and positivity. I know that you're going to be a big part of bringing Melbourne back. Thank you so much for having a chat today. Such a pleasure, Danny. Thanks for thanks for giving the voice to, to these things and for all the work you're doing. I don't say that lightly. Um, it's it's amazing leadership that that, that you show, and we're we're really really grateful. Thank you so much.
<laughs> no worries. Uh, if anyone needs to go beyond this conversation and chat to somebody, you can contact your GP and be referred for mental health support. Uh, you can also look at Beyond Blue, which is beyondblue.org.au. And if you need someone to chat to right now, you can call Lifeline on 131114. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.